In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. for Santa Claus. Yay, 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 Santa Claus. And then there's some more stuff about Santa Claus. And then we spell out Santa Claus. Um, did you like my it. version? I was dancing. You couldn't see it because <laughs> this is not a visual medium. I was yes. dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so Amy and I know. Hello, everyone. I'm Sarah. <laughs> Uh, I see this is the trouble when you try and like do bits is <laughs> especially the kind of bits that I do which are thought up maybe uh, 15 to 30 seconds before we begin recording so they're not very mm. fully realized bits mm. um, mm-hmm. but uh, you might be wondering what Christmas what the song hell that song was. <laughs> What Christmas song I was singing, and I will have you know that it is a classic from the mid-60s known as Hooray for Santa Claus, even though it says in the lyrics, Santa Claus, the song is called Hooray for Santa Claus. Um, But are you, like, wait, I do actually have a question already. Oh, wow. Was it... Was it for real, like a popular song? Because I could actually believe that if that was true, but I could also believe that you were saying that sarcastically. I mean, I think it probably in its time. Because I like legit liked that song. (laughs) It's not the worst. I mean, it's certainly the best part of the film that we're discussing today. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's maybe start by you just telling us, Amy, what film we are talking about today. Well, um, we're talking about uh, a movie from, and I already, I have questions about it already, but I'll get to it. Okay. Um, (laughs) Called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians from 1964. Correct. Um, And I didn't do like, I didn't look this movie up really other than just to look it up to find it to watch. But here's my main question about this movie, just right off the bat, just so I can understand. Sure. Is this a made-for-TV movie, or was this like a for-real release in theaters type? Hmm. Did they have theaters in 1964? <laughs> <laughs> did they even, did they make a movie, but did they did know they, what movies were in 1964? Yeah. Did, they, did they walk upright in 1964? I can't remember. I mean, you, um, you weren't there, so you can't remember it. Um, okay, let me just see here. But but in all seriousness, that was my main question about it. Sure. Like, is this 
I'm just double checking. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm just, just gonna put that out there. I'm just double checking because I had an inclination for an answer, but I just want to be sure. Um, and my inclination is correct. This is a real movie. Whoa! That was made for theatrical release. Wow, that is. Even for like 1964, I'm pretty surprised about that, to be honest. That because something this bad could like exist in the world? Well, no, but just the, just the level at which it was done. Only because I also watched another movie last night from 1964 that was like a Stanley Kubrick thing. Uh, and the the level of effects, even they even had like an airplane effect at one point. And I was like... Well, that Santa Claus movie really <laughs> dropped the ball on some of these types of things. So I'm, I was like, it made me very impressed with the the Kubrick one because I was like, uh, wow, that it was more. I was blaming it more on the times, but it really was that this movie just didn't try very hard. I think. Yes, is what I found out. Yes. Um. So I'm just looking here to see if I can find out anything about what the budget might have been um and also just to be to note like what you'd written on the um outline says that it came out in november of 1964 like right. you said but no november 14th for like a christmas specific movie that seems like a little too early like i know well, people yeah. are like all in the christmas i'm all about listen I'm all about like November, December, fully Christmas. Like we already it. pre this show, <laughs> listeners, we're talking about the Princess Switch Switch to the Max Part Two that's coming mm -hmm. out. So yes, Amy is a big fan of a Christmas film and is not necessarily opposed to Christmas starting early, like and no, the celebrations of it. No, not at all. But I just do also think that it. Uh, movie-wise, in terms of theater release, it would do better in December. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I'm not able to determine how much money it made. Um, Probably not much. Well, <laughs> no. Guess. According to its Wikipedia page, um, by the following year, or not, well, not the fall, well, yes, the following year, but like by February of 1965, so the movie has now been out three or four months or whatever, um, mm -hmm. the New York Times said that it, quote, reaped a box office bonanza in a regular multi-theater booking. Um, Whoa. So it made a bunch of money, apparently. Whoa. Um, or at least, you know, in 64 it, times. Does it say the budget of how much it costs? No, I have. I cannot mm. find any information about how. Well, let's see if IMDb has it. Let's I think, just because I think they're probably embarrassed to say it costs them five dollars. <laughs> we actually had everyone bring their green shorts from home, and <laughs> I would not be surprised. And we had all the ladies just like find some green eyeshadow and just like put it on their face. For yes, the like, yes. Everyone just brought their own makeup from home and put on as yep. much as they felt like they wanted to and yep. no more than that um and you don't even need to shave your facial hair nothing just go for it it is yeah there is hold on hold on okay um so 
this, according to IMDb, the the budget is estimated at two hundred thousand, but it does not list how much money it made. Um, okay. Well, two hundred thousand is quite low. I mean, I yeah, know, but also is a actually, time, but what was the Kubrick movie that you watched? Oh, Doctor Strangelove. Okay. Let's see how much that movie cost. If oh, I can, was like, I feel like I looked this up. I forget already, but it was in the millions for sure. Okay. Let, oh, I'm so surprised you watched this movie. I've never, never even seen this movie, and I feel like it's kind of a sci-fi e classic. Uh, it's is it sci-fi? Isn't it? Because it's like okay. I have no idea. Actually, I don't um, really get it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so yes. According to IMDb, that movie made the same year was up is estimated at costing one point eight million dollars. So See? it is so, nine times more money. So <laughs> spent it, it on that. Quite frankly, <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, it looked it, and I mean that one was nominated for like four Oscars, and like this one, right. no one's ever heard of. But. Well, it is that is one of the things is so this movie um I've now determined from this little jaunt around the internet um clearly was a, a decent hit, let's say, in its time okay. and then because of its weirdness, it then made <laughs> its way to like being shown on television like a lot yes. like um I was noticing where is it? Uh yes. So Starting in the early 90s, uh, mm. this movie starts getting shown on Comedy Central um, oh, quite a bit. Interesting. Quite a bit. I mean, I, and I could have even seen it, like if you said, in, like, in the later 60s to 70s, it, would, it turned into like a holiday classic they would show on like the Hallmark Channel or whatever. You yeah, know? Like, I mean, and the, the truth way that they is... Had those claymation movies on yeah, TV and stuff. Yeah, and this actually, this movie predates those 1960s claymation ones um, mm. and is actually, I thought this was interesting, um, it is also the first um, screen appearance of Mrs. Claus as a what? person um, in, a, in a movie. I presume that she probably has been depicted maybe in TV before this, but in terms of mm -hmm. a movie, this is the first mm -hmm. time she's been shown. Um, and actually, um, yeah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came out the same year three weeks later, um, that claymation-y oh, wow. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this has kind of made its way into kind of the consciousness of people, mm -hmm. uh, particularly it seems like people who were alive at the time, unsurprisingly. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll talk, let's just, I guess, talk about it. Yeah, because talk about the cast because I think that it also shows why, why it was cheap to produce and why it maybe didn't... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to blame the actors, but most of them, you know, clearly are not quite at the exact same type of fame level as no. the people in, for example, Doctor Strangelove and things like that. No, um, this definitely, yes, the the money is also indicative of not having to pay people very much for <laughs> yeah. this work. Yeah. Um, so let us begin with, of course, the title titular character, Santa Claus. Um, Santa Claus is played by an actor named John Call, who was 56 at the time 
uh, of release. Um, and basically all of these people are like really not somebody you would have heard of. Um, <laughs> this is his second to last movie role, um, according to IMDb. Uh, and as I say here in the outline, I just got the impression that probably he was more of a Broadway stage acting guy rather than no, when you, TV and movies. When you say you got that impression, it said that somewhere or you just assumed since he didn't have many movie roles, he must have done Broadway? No, he's, it said so. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I don't, because like, like... Well, since he didn't do this, he must have been on Broadway. No, it's not like I assume that if no one has any credits, they have like a really blossoming career on the stage. Lustrous, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just seemed like to me that... Like also because IMDb only captures your film and television roles, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, from the little mini bio that it had of him, I was like, okay, so then it does mention Broadway. Nice, yeah. And I think that's probably mm -hmm. more where this guy is apparently. Yeah. Um, then we have the Martians uh, and their names are stupid. I didn't know any of their, I didn't know any of their names. So basically, but just yeah. like, just know that when I start saying these names, that all of these names are Martian names. Um, <laughs> so the main Martian is a man named Kimar. Mm -hmm. uh, that is spelled K-I-M-A-R. Um, and that is played by an actor named Leonard Hicks, who was 46 at the time of release. And he only has three credits on IMDb, and this is his last one. So oh, yikes. I really don't <laughs> know. I mean, I really don't know whatever happened to him. Um, and he, unlike John Call, there was no seeming like other career that he had. <laughs> that, um, that's kind of sad. Uh, mm. So that's him. Uh, then we have the character who I believe constitutes you and I's favorite, Voldar. Um <laughs> I think he was my favorite. Who, uh, he is played by an actor named Vincent Beck, who was 40 when this movie came out. Um, mm. This was actually his very first film credit on IMDb. Good for him. He acted the shit out of it. <laughs> he really committed, for sure. Um, <laughs> and he went on to do a lot of, like, one-off TV appearances in things that you certainly would expect of the era um, so I've just listed here some of the ones that I think are kind of the funniest. So he was in an episode of Mr. Ed. He was in an episode of Gilligan's <laughs> Island. He was in an episode of Get Smart, uh, Bonanza, and Lost in Space. Um, oh, wow. So, and that reminded me when I saw Lost in Space listed, um, I think this might be one of the oldest things we've talked about um, well, when was Lost in Space? I know we talked about that, but I can't remember the year. I, that was also the 60s. Yeah, it was, it was in the 60s, but I can't remember, like, where the episode we talked about, like, fell. Uh, um, yeah. So, and so he seemed to me to be one of the cast members who was able to kind of have the, the longest career, one of the longest careers. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other one who is in contention for that is the character named Droppo, 
who <laughs> such a great name yep who was played by um an actor named bill mccutcheon who was also mm-hmm. 40 uh when this movie came out and uh i put this in specifically for you amy he won a tony yeah i love this in 1988 for his portrayal of Moonface martin in anything goes um, i love that <laughs> and i love that character and I love that show, so I love all of that. Yes. Um, so he clearly, like, managed to do... Th- so I think I would call him maybe the most successful of this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, he also plays Uncle Wally on Sesame Street for quite a while. Oh, um, I don't remember that character I've, on Sesame I Street. I don't remember it either, but, I like, I think it's because Sesame Street begins in the 70s. And oh, so, so I think he might have. I think he might have been a fixture of an earlier iteration of the show. He was um, before Maria. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then he was also somebody like he was in Steel Magnolias, which is not mm. my particular scene for movie watching, but mm. I know is a big deal. But and it's so, very well respected. Yeah, and like especially when I looked at a picture of him. Um, from that era of Steel Magnolias, which I want to say is like the late 80s, early 90s, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I think I do recognize this guy now. Like, Hmm. so he was one of those people for me that became more recognizable when he, when I saw a picture of him as an older guy. Like, I was like, oh Oh, yeah, 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 that grandpa, he's a grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) That guy, that grandpa guy. Yeah. And then, um... That kind of rounds out the the main cast of this film, but I did also want to briefly mention the little Martian girl who um, <laughs> is named Girmar. Um, in a, did you know these names before you looked it up? I knew that I I didn't I knew Kimar and I knew Voldar by the end of the movie. Oh, okay. I knew that and Drapo. Um, the okay. kids' names I did not know. But I did also notice that a lot of them, that a lot of the Martian names ended in Mar. So like Martian. Oh, that's funny. I didn't catch that. But I was thinking, (laughs) I was thinking they sound like clown names. Oh, yeah, for sure. They do also sound like that. And now that I'm looking at Girmar as a name, I'm like, someone was like calling her girl Martian. And yes. then they just were like, that's her name, Girmar. Yeah, that's just, yep, totally. <laughs> um, because the mom in the movie, who I didn't list because she basically had nothing going on, her name was Momar. So I'm like, no. Yes. So Mom Martian. Yes. That is totally what yes. they did. Um, so Girmar uh, was played by a very young, a 10-year-old Pia Zadora. Now, before I say anything more... Just from the name alone, does that name mean anything to you? No. Okay, so I think this is one of these things where, like, occasionally our age difference matters a bit. Because I immediately was like, I have heard of Pia Zadora. That is somebody really? who is who is something. <laughs> like, I was just like, I know I know that lady. Um, right. So... The transition from being a child actor to being an adult actor did not go well for her. And then ultimately, um, by like the late 80s, early 90s, she had settled into kind of like a pop singing career. Um, 
Pia Zadora. I literally have never heard that name in my life. I definitely had, because in fact, when I look at my handwritten notes, the very first thing I wrote is hooray for Santa Claus credits and then Pia Zadora. <laughs> That's so funny. I... But you, but you couldn't place. You no, figured it out. No, I was like, I, I, I mean, I like there were various things she was in. I think she did a cameo in like one of the Naked Gun movies, and I'm like, so maybe that's when I would have seen her, um, or or she was like kind of like your Jaja Gabor's and stuff, where like she's more famous for being famous than she is for like any of the stuff she actually does. Um, but I knew, I was like, I know, I know that name. I know that's a famous person, but then I like, was like, but why is she famous? <laughs> like, that's so funny. Uh, I really, truly, that name does not ring a bell. Yeah. So that is basically the only people in the cast who even kind of seem like worth briefly discussing. Um, so now let's just like talk about the film. And so then we open with the Hooray for Santa Claus song. Um, and Brilliant. it's like the... Act- it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> the actual lyrics, let's see here, I have them, is like, it starts out by... You know a song is good when it spells, you know? Um, <laughs> so it starts out by spelling Santa Claus. So S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Hooray for Santa Claus. And then they do it again. Um, and then in terms of like some of the lyrics we have, he's fat and round, but jumping Jiminy, he can climb down any chimney. Um, <laughs> when we hear sleigh bells, comedy yeah, gold. Yes. When we hear sleigh bells ring, our hearts go ting-a-ling. I don't like that. Um, I mean, I don't know what you heard, but I heard brilliance. And then it's like, uh, let's see, uh, now all year long at the North Pole, he's busy making toys, but he knows just what you're doing, so you better be good, girls and boys. Um, Ooh, that's a little creepy, but that, I mean, the whole idea of Santa Claus, I guess, in that sense is a little creepy. Yes, that an old man is always watching you and knowing and what you're doing. watching you and judging you, basically. Yes, yes. Um, it's not a great concept, but No, okay. uh, but it's better than that elf on the shelf shit, which is literally like inform on you like inform on your friends and family like no good um i don't really know the whole deal with elf on the shelf we don't need to get into it no we I, don't have time i don't have um, kids so i don't really I, i'm not super tied into what that's all about yeah um oh here's a good lyric hang up that mistletoe soon you'll hear something, ho, something, ho, ho, ho 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 <laughs> yeah yep um yeah and then, I don't know what your problem is with any of these lyrics. Uh, I think probably we should insert a bit of the song here so that people can understand it. Um, like No, I think you did it perfectly. <laughs> uh, the thing is, though, it's like... The song actually isn't bad. Um, it's, no, I truly actually liked it. It's a pretty good Christmas song as Christmas songs go. The thing that is like a little bit what I don't like about it is like 
I don't, it's like the kids who are singing it are shouting. Like it's obvious they're <laughs> shouting because they're like, go, ho, ho, ho. And I'm like, ah. I think that's just kid voices. I think like that's kind of what like a group of kids singing sort of sounds like. That's true. That's true. And I like if you listen to like the Annie soundtrack, you'd probably say the same thing. Yes, that's true. Um, And then I also found like it does get into your mind. So I've been like over the past couple days like hooray for Santa Claus. And then it's great. And I feel like it sounds like it's something else. I feel like they probably ripped off another song. That's exactly. So then that's what I was thinking about because as soon as I heard it in my handwritten notes, um, my descriptions of the song are quite shouty, but fun. (laughs) Um, and then I wrote sort of like, um, you know, that song, it's like Cupid, put down your bow and let the, you know, that song straight to no. my lover's arms. Well, it's an, it's oh. an oldie one. And then oh. also in my head this morning, like hooray for Santa Claus has also been turning into, um, that other old song runaway. Do you know that one? My little <laughs> runaway. My oh, run, yeah. Run, I run, love that run. song. Um, yes. So I've, it's definitely of that it's era. It's derivative. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where it sounds a lot like a lot of other things from that era in time. Um, yeah. So we have this opening number and you're like, wow, this is probably going to be a really good movie. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's what I thought (laughs) Uh, but then the movie begins and the movie begins um, where we see a news anchor for a television station that is called KID TV so Kid TV solid Um, Mm -hmm. and Kid TV is doing a news report where their anchor is well I guess it's not the anchor because the anchor stays in the station but uh, they're about to do a interview with Santa at his workshop. As you do. Uh, because in this world, of course, Santa is real and everyone knows it. Duh. Um, yeah. And uh, the and then we see like so we start by just looking at a television, and then the camera pans away from the television, and we are in a Martian home where two Martian <laughs> kids are watching the show and learning about now, Santa. How do we know they're Martians? Now, do, yeah, how do we know they're Martians? We know they're Martians because their house looks like the Jetsons. It really and- does. All of their doors don't open like in or out. They slide. Yeah, it's the Jetsons. And the children ha- are painted green and have weird helmets on. <laughs> right. Now, this, I think one of the, let's say, weaknesses of the science fiction genre, Ken's, oh. Ken's and this is not just for this movie, but this movie really okay. does this a lot. So, like, um, but it happens in many things. Where when we depict human beings... Human beings have different kind of clothes and like different kind of looks and like different color skins and like all these different things. And then when mm-hmm. we depict alien life forms, it's like everyone mm-hmm. in this culture all wears the same thing. 
and they're yeah. all the or, same color. And in yeah. fact, sometimes we wear something that, where the color of our skin is also the color of the clothes we wear. And it's as if there are no yeah. other things we would ever think to wear. Um, yeah, because for example, like, I mean, it makes sense in, I think in some context of sci-fi probably where it's like everybody, but you're right. Like that's something I never thought about because in this, in this movie in, in particular, the outfits that they wear as Martians, you would think they were like a sports team or right. like a, it looks like that's like a uniform that they wear on Mars. And now, <laughs> and now I'm realizing it, like think of it this way. The equivalent would be watching everyone on earth dressing in nude tones. Yes, it would be, which is it would not be disconcerting. Which is not flattering for most people. No. So, definitely not. Yes, this is the situation we're living in. We see these green kids. Now, you also did not mention one of the most important aspects of these Martian costumes, which is oh. the headwear. Because it, it's confusing. <laughs> That's why. Uh, and I couldn't remember if the kids' ones were quite as intense as the adult ones. Well, they're not as large, of course, because they're children. Um, yeah. But why don't you just, like, give a try to describing okay. what's on their head? <laughs> okay. So this is how I would describe it. It's like a um, sort of like a – it's not a bike helmet, but, like, it's the kind of helmet that, like, fully does cover your head yes um like a climbing helmet let's say I don't know sure um that painted green and then also it's got like a weird like knob almost on the front and then it's got a looks randomly placed like a um um uh like I don't even know what you would call it like a the like a tube that's like in the that's been glued on top of it yes and and then um kind of like a tube you would have like as a vacuum attachment yes and like just that <laughs> tube yes and that's glued on top and then two like wire like a wire hanger like m melded into antennae on the top correct that's my explanation of it yes and that is that is done brilliantly because <laughs> the helmet or whatever it is, uh, I guess it must be some sort of helmet or hat because I think yeah. uh, later we learn that Martians get these like teaching machines put onto their heads young. And I guess that's what these are supposed to be. So I guess they've mm -hmm. got hair underneath because they all also have hair too. Right, um, well, you, but you don't see their hair really except for like some of the men Martians really just still have their regular human facial hair. Right. Um, so this is what we see. We see these two painted green kids watching <laughs> television from Earth learning about Santa. Um, and then yeah. we... That's also an amazing television reception, but go on. True. Um, so then we are taken by the news team to the North Pole where Andy Anderson, the reporter, is there to interview Santa. So we go into Santa's workshop and Andy Anderson is like starting to talk to Santa. Um, and in the process of that, Mrs. Claus comes into the workshop 
Um, and as I said, this is like the first time we've seen Mrs. Claus in a movie. Um, and ever. she nags everyone, you said. That's very yes. funny. She nags everyone. First time we see Santa... It's the first time we see Mrs. Claus and she nags everyone. That sounds typical. <laughs> yeah, like the whole movie, that's her character. Her character always comes out and is like, you're not working hard enough. We need to do all this stuff before Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is very annoying. Which is like so annoying. It's like, lady, do you think we don't know? Yeah. Like that is the entire point of this workshop is that everything has to be done by Christmas. Right. Like Ladoy. And technically we've been doing this since the beginning of time. So right. we like, we've got this. The whole Santa thing is real. <laughs> yes. We've got this to, down to a science. So we don't need you uh, to be bothering us about this. And then the final bit of this scene is that one of the elves, I believe its name is Winky, um, has made a doll that looks like a Martian. And so then we have an object fade where like the camera closes up on the Martian doll and then it transitions into being a close up on Kimar, the Martian dad of these kids that we saw earlier. Um, although that's not immediately apparent when we see this <laughs> happen. Um, so Kimar is there and he's like waking up Droppo. Now, is Droppo this family's slave? Uh, I don't know. Because he lives with this family and I don't, and he's not like their cousin or brother or anything. Like, I don't get... Maybe he is. Maybe he's their. Role. Maybe he's their. Their houseboy. <laughs> okay, nothing like a forty-year-old houseboy. Um, or a nanny? Does that, is that a thing that people had? Is that a thing Martians have? Maybe. Maybe he's meant to be some kind of like governess to the kids. I'm not really Wait, sure. Wait, Bo- Bomar is the is the kids' other kid's name? Yes, boy they Martian. Did, yeah, they literally <laughs> did do that. That's so interesting. I'm glad you pointed that out because that is 100 percent what they did. Yeah. Um. So Ke- first we see Kimar is maybe like King Martian. Oh yeah, I bet you're right. I made that up. He, I have no idea. No, but, but that makes sense because he's the leader of them. And Voldar is like evil. Martian I don't know <laughs> that one that see that's the thing is that so, one's harder because at first I when I know started noticing these names I was like oh they've all got Mar so that's this thing of how like all Martians have Mar at the yeah. end of their name but then Droppo doesn't have it and then it's so maybe it's specific to this family maybe that family got really lazy with their name <laughs> <laughs> maybe um so Kimar and Droppo are talking uh and then Momar shows up um, because she has been, uh, quote unquote, shopping at the food pill center because on Mars, uh, and this is like a running gag, uh, all the food is provided in pill form. Um, yeah, not a fan. Um, and you're right. Bomar and Girmar, the kids, uh, are watching earth TV and, um, for whatever reason, Kimar really hates that, and he's and he's like talking to Momar and being like, "Why are our kids like watching so much of this Earth television?" Um, and 
Martians are just like us. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, well, I guess screen time has always been a problem since there were screens. Um, and so then uh, he goes into the kids' room uh, to put them to bed. And this was also a bit weird. So he puts them to bed and, like... The bed that they sleep on is, like, a table that, like, hangs from the ceiling. Yeah, that was weird. And did, Yeah, that was weird. I guess... I have nothing other to say to that than it was weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that we're supposed to see, like, consider this world, like, so different from our own. But I'm like, I don't think that sleeping on a table is a thing anyone's going to be into. Um... And so then, anyway, he comes back out from their room, and he's talking with Momar, and Momar is concerned about the kids. She says they're all really unhappy and kind of listless, and they haven't been interested in their food pills as much as they used to be. Um, and Kimar then, because he is King Martian, um, is like, yes, this seems to be a problem with like Martian children, generally speaking, not just our own. So he decides to call a council meeting of all the important men Martians um, to figure out what's going on. And he calls this meeting at a place called Chochum's Chair. Okay, I don't like that. <laughs> well, it turns out... Like, Chochum's chair is quite literally a place where a guy a named Chochum sits in a chair. Um, <laughs> because so then we cut to this uh, landscape, let's say, where it's like all these cobwebby rocks that are like multicolor. And all the council has shown up to discuss the situation of the children. And uh, Kimar calls Chochum... And it's like, please come. Uh, and this is when we're introduced to Voldar because Voldar is irritated uh, at even having to have this meeting um, because he's he... Ir he's irritated from top to bottom in this yes. movie. <laughs> it, his whole time is he hates everything and everyone. Um, and he I also... with him. <laughs> Did you just say you connected with him? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, fair enough. Um, misanthropic Voldar is actually everyone's yeah. feelings in 2020. Um, mm -hmm. And in particular, this is, I think, where he says, like, we don't have to worry about, we don't want our kids to be like Earth kids. Earth kids are dumb. <laughs> like, I uh, mean, where's the lie? Uh, so, like, you know, who cares that they're sad or whatever, or like, uh, I think also maybe what we're, what he's implying is more like, this isn't sadness. This is just like our way of being is this like, so there's nothing, so there's no problem. Like, uh -huh. um, and so as this is being said, Chochum, who is 800 years old, uh, emerges, like from the rocks, uh, sitting on a chair. So that's why it's Chochum's chair. And he's like this super old, old Martian. He's got a big old beard. And um, Kimar then says like, Chochum, we've got this problem. All the kids are really sad. 
Um, and, you know, they've been watching this Earth TV and it seems to be making them even more kind of unstable in various ways. And then Chochum asks, like, what time of year it is because apparently he no longer knows that information. Oh, and yeah, and they said it was September. Yeah, something, yes. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, on Earth, like, what time of year is it? And he's like, oh, it's December on Earth. And then he's like, the, and then Chochem gets this like look on his face of like, he almost seemed like he was crying or on the verge of tears when he's talking about how Earth has this tradition of Christmas and all the kids on Earth get to like have all this fun. And he says basically that Martian children are not like afforded childhoods anymore um, because they get their like, um, these helmet things, these teaching helmets, what does he call them? Oh yeah, they get their electric teaching helmets put on, wow. yeah, put on to them so early that um, then they are like- Are they like immovable? I guess they are. I don't know. In my handwritten notes, it says, they get electric teaching helmets and then right after it says, is that what's on their heads? <laughs> I mean, it must be, right? I have to assume. Yeah, because, like, it's actually a bit like the Borg in Star Trek where, like, you start getting little implants when you're young. And then by the time you're fully adult, you have, like, the most, like, implant or whatever. Uh Um, So, like, obviously the adult helmets are, like, bigger, not just because their heads are bigger, but, like, also because maybe they're, like storing more information in there or something so like Mm -hmm. i mean that's a kind of interesting thing that this movie does not really go into they don't get into that because i actually didn't quite key into that well i mean it's the only thing that i can think of of why they've got those things on their heads is that it's a like a computer essentially that affixes to your head and then connects because yeah. like also later Bomar calls Kimar on his <laughs> um so these so these Martians are actually cyborgs yeah is okay I mean I'll go with it I have no idea what a real Martian is so what do I know yeah I mean to me that is that's a pretty common trope of sci-fi certainly is that um like sometimes it's about humans becoming cyborgs sometimes it's about other races being cyborgs but just to clarify do you know what I mean when I'm talking about a cyborg um no Okay. <laughs> I thought I did. I was going to go with it. But I then if I was really supposed to give a definition, I wouldn't be able to. Cyborgs are when you have a combination of organic life mixing with technology in some way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, so okay. that's what the – I presume that's what we're dealing with with these Martians. Um, okay. And so – but clearly, like, this is maybe cyborg light because – they seem yeah, not really well thought out and they seem quite human. Looking. Yes, indeed. Um, so when Kimar hears Chochum talking about Christmas and specifically Santa, um, he decides that what they need to do is to go to Earth to get Santa for Mars. Yes, that's clearly the that's clearly what you should do. <laughs> um so then immediately we're on the ship 
that the Martians have to um, go to Earth. And when they arrive in Earth's orbit, I did kind of find this funny as a bit where they're like using their magnoscope to look down on the surface of earth to find Santa. And Mm -hmm. like there are three or four of them looking in different viewfinders and stuff. And they're all like, I see him over here. I see him over there. Oh my God. And it's like, and they're like, so where is he? And then Kimar is a bit like, well, we'll just take one. That's great because then no one will notice that one of them is missing if they've got all of these different Santas (laughs) wandering around. Um, uh, so, you know, the joke is, is that they don't understand that there's, there is only one real Santa, um, and all these other guys are just like his representatives all over the world. And specifically, it seemed like they were referencing the Salvation Army <laughs> quite a lot because there's like yeah, what the heck? bell ringing ones and ones like collecting change oh, and yeah, stuff. yeah, they did. I remember that now. Um, so then we come, so while they're orbiting the Earth, probably unsurprisingly, uh, the people of Earth have noticed. Um, so we cut to a news program and this is different from the opening news program. This is a totally different anchor that is saying that something has been spotted on the radar and the Soviet Union has not taken credit for it. So now everyone on Earth as a whole is like, oh my gosh, this is like a a UFO. Um, And then there's this like weird stuff where we keep cutting back to this news anchor for the next couple minutes, kind of talking us through the arrival of the Martians and each time the news anchor talks, then the segment is finished off with weird stock footage of like planes and rockets and like space, quote unquote, space footage, (laughs) Um, uh, which is very weird. Um, when we, then we go back to the Martian ship where it's revealed that Droppo has actually stowed away on the ship, um, to come along on this adventure. And the, and also the Martians realize that they've been spotted on the radar of earth. And so they put up their radar shield so that they will not be tracked by oh right right earth now very smart it is very smart and this is also (laughs) like this doesn't actually matter very much to the story but it's funny because so then they put up the radar then we go back to the news anchor and the news anchor is saying like that whatever the thing was that appeared on the radar has disappeared and so he makes clear to say that Many people, I guess military analysts presumably, are like, oh, that was just some sort of weird blip, nothing to worry about. And then the anchor says, but it could also be that these aliens have a radar shield that is making it so we can't see them on the radar. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> what? Like I un- did say that, and I was like, "How in the in God's name did they know that?" Yeah, um, and I mean, I guess though it is a bit like how some news media outlets do function now, which is like everything that is logical would suggest that the radar picked up something strange, and it was a mistake or a malfunction, and then it went away. 
or it's this most outlandish thing you've ever heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, um, exactly. But in the case, like this so specific thing. That, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and certainly in terms of like storytelling, I was like, whoever's written this. Come on, dude. Like, just they were, they were lazy. do they better. Were like, mm, let's have the people guess the exact right thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, just do better. Um, so then we arrive uh, on the surface of Earth and we are introduced to Billy and Betty, who are brother and sister, who are listening to the news about the UFO on the radio. Um, and then Betty is saying that she doesn't believe there are aliens, but like literally as she's saying it, the Martians are creeping up behind them. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and when they start talking to her, unsurprisingly, she screams. Um, but the funny thing about it is like, if I saw those dudes walking around and I was a kid, yeah, I might scream that's sure but I also wouldn't at all think that they were aliens I'd be like those are dudes that have green face paint on <laughs> and capes and capes and are just just happen to be wearing all green yeah um it's a and also again I didn't think about this until just now they speak English perfectly like oh yeah they don't do any like beep boop bobo they don't do any of like that kind of yeah stuff. yeah so they they immediately uh, explain that the reason that they are there um is that they're looking for santa and voldar is part of this so it's kimar voldar and like one other martian are there um and voldar like threatens these kids with a Martian gun, I guess. Um, he also calls them stupid. Because yes. I love it because the girl, first off, like, she is stupid. I mean, she's yes. a child, but, like, Betty's pretty stupid. She and is. Because she she's the girl, have... so she has to be dumb. Like True. But story checks out. But, like, <laughs> the, uh, the, um... She says, because they have an antenna on their head, she said, are you a television set? And then <laughs> Voldar's like, Ugh, Earth's children. Yes. <laughs> yes. He hates them. Uh, but he's also threatening them with a gun that looks like a hairdryer. So, like, <laughs> mistakes are being made on both sides is what I'll say <laughs> about this interaction. Um, uh. But then Billy shares with them that the real Santa lives at the North Pole and all these other guys who are around are just his, like, helpers. Um, and so then, like, they're like, okay, great, we're going to the North Pole. And I I can't remember, I think it's Voldar who's like, well, we can't just leave these kids here because now they've seen us and they're going to say, like, publicly that we're here and that's going to create, like, a panic or whatever um so they decide so take them with us. yes so they decide to kidnap these children so that they cannot yeah. uh report uh that martians are on earth to anybody good choice good choice. yeah now and then we go back to the news program where now this news anchor who apparently is like the news anchor for all of america i presume um is now announcing a local kidnapping. Like, these children are missing. 
that. I'm like, I don't yep. think there. And it happened also five seconds ago. <laughs> yes. I mean, I know that when like cute blonde kids go missing, that does often ultimately become a national news story. But it usually right, sure, sure, it sure. takes like a couple days for them like at least a couple minutes <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I understand that it's like cut for the movie but also you would have to figure that those kids were out wherever they were without their parents so their parent and their parents didn't seem to be like hinted at being nearby you know true so the parents wouldn't have even uh reported them as missing until way later right I feel like, right when yeah they realize oh hey it's been five hours since my kids right came. like our kids didn't come home for dinner and yeah. so like whatever so then we go back anyway. <laughs> back up to the ship and um droppo because he's in charge of martian children he has also now been put in charge of these children um he's a nanny i think he's a nanny yeah like a clown. yeah well, both. I think he's both of them. Yeah. Um, so he's showing the kids around the bridge. Um, none of the other Martians are there because technically they shouldn't be on the bridge. Um, and in fact, when other Martians, like we start to hear them coming down the hall or something, he's like, kids, you got to hide, hide in this radar box where he had been hiding when he stowed away on uh, the ship. So because the kids are in the radar box, they hear the plan that Kimar is hatching where he's like telling everyone we're kidnapping Santa to take him back to Mars. Um, and Such a at, regular plan. Yeah. And at that point, Voldar is like, well, if we're taking Santa to Mars, we kind of like have to still, now we need to take these kids there as well. Um because they're witnesses to this crime that we're about to commit. He just wants to keep kidnapping these kids. Um, he's just like upping the kidnapping more and more. <laughs> um, and Kimar seems a bit like hesitant about doing this, but ultimately he agrees. And so then they all leave the room. And of course the kids pop out of the radar box. They've heard the whole plan. And uh, they decide that they are going to help Santa and try and kind of scuttle this whole kidnapping plan. Um, and part of that involves Billy sabotaging this radar shield that they have, that they mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, so I, with the point being that then like um, Earth um, astronauts can track them, I guess is the point. Um, so then we get to the North Pole and the kids manage to get out of the ship and run away before anyone else leaves the ship somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and when they do that uh, and they go and they run away and they're like off to try and find Santa and warn him about this kidnapping thing. Um, Voldar and Kimar then exit the ship and Voldar is like, those kids have run away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we need to do something about it. And Kimar is like, yeah, yeah, we do need to do something about it. I think we'll use Torg. Um, and they keep referring to this Torg, Torg very mysteriously for the next couple of minutes. Um, and then we go back. Then we end up following Billy and Betty who are out in the North Pole in just 
sweaters because they've been kit <laughs> because they were like sitting outside on earth in sweater sweater weather and so they've like you know so they're getting cold and they're like oh no like uh betty in particular is being really annoying and saying how she's tired and shit um <laughs> and typical little girl yes I, but to be fair to her, she's in a skirt. <laughs> like, so. Oh, she, no. I mean, I know I agree. But that's just always the role that like girls, women in general, are they're usually like the the wet blanket or like yeah. the one that's slowing everything down. <laughs> yes. Um, particularly in any film made before uh what like 1993 like 2020 <laughs> yeah true <laughs> um but so then they 20 and beyond in correct yes, i know what you mean um so then they hear voldar coming behind them so they like hide in a snowbank basically which seems like a terrible idea um and oh god i think this might have been one of my favorite parts <laughs> oh yeah Yes, because so then Voldar's like looking around for these kids, but he gets scared away because. Okay, I did not know what this thing was supposed to be, quite frankly. I mean, I guess I did, but also what? Uh, So these kids are in, you said a snowbank, but it's like almost like a straight up like snow cave. Yes, they're in. They're in like this hole, a snow cave, and a polar bear question mark shows up, but it's clearly not a polar bear. It's a human in a costume. Correct. Um, and it starts just like immediately pawing at them in this pole, <laughs> like in this hole rather, and just like it was very weird. <laughs> yes. So I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, this is a reveal. Unlike anything I've seen in a very long time, which is like Voldar hears something coming. He turns around and there is a human being in a polar bear suit. Um, mm-hmm. And it's clearly a human being in a polar bear suit. I mean, uh, it could not be it's more standing upright. obvious. Like, there's yes. No part, yeah. There's and, no part about it that looks anything like a polar bear other and it, than the fact that it's white yes um it's really quite hilarious to see um and this actually brings up something i had been meaning to say at the beginning like in my handwritten notes uh generally i don't put a lot of words and phrases in quotation marks but this movie i did it repeatedly and so in my handwritten notes it says in quotation marks polar bear shows up and scares like there's no it's it's very actually similar to the man in a costume who was the uh the alien in lost in space yes 100 percent. and um it's definitely on the same level of craziness and like unbelievability yeah <laughs> and so voldar of course runs away in the face of this terrifying polar bear but then the polar bear like smells the kids and it tries to attack them as well, but ultimately seems to like get bored with it and go away. Um, which also made me wonder, like, I know polar bears are bears. So, and I know they have like claws and they eat like meat and stuff. And I've seen footage of them do that, but like any normal bear, I don't think they really care about human meat. No, and I mean, I guess, like, if 
if you're up in its space and like or bugging its cubs or whatever like yes they're gonna hurt you and attack you and like if they're just curious but if you're like hiding in a hole I don't think they're gonna seek you out to attack right I I think that's that's incorrect about bears in general. Right. So, I mean, not that this man in a polar bear suit, like, we should have known that we're not going for accuracy here, but... Um, I was expecting total animal biolo- <laughs> biological accuracy. Um, <laughs> so, ultimately, the polar bear disappears, and it's one of the highlights of the movie, for sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, and so the kids emerge from their hiding space, And Betty is like, oh, I think we must be near to the workshop because I see some lights. And this is a second really great reveal of something. (laughs) Um, Because Billy's like, no, no, that's not the direction where Santa's workshop is. That's something else. The lights are moving. And pretty much then immediately this thing which is the Torg that Kimar was talking about, appears. Uh, do you want to try describing what Torg looks like? No, because I forget right now. I may have been spacing out. <laughs> um, so Torg is a, clearly a man in a refrigerator box. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has been painted silver. And he's oh, where oh yeah. and he's wearing like some kind of thing on his head to make <laughs> it look like a robot head. Where these he looks like he looks. I now I remember. Okay, sorry. I he looks like a parent that like dressed up like a robot to entertain their child in their house. <laughs> yes, because like like it's 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 a very low low grade robot because uh. it's got like it's its head is just like um oh I know what it is it's like a big uh like oatmeal cylinder you know like when you get oatmeal and it's in those <laughs> right like it looks like that or maybe it's oh, a oh yes 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 yeah <laughs> or maybe it's a coffee can but like whatever it that's is what you would use as your arms like yes. to make your arms like yeah exactly so like that's on oh its head and it's painted silver and it's got like quote unquote lights in its eyes and i think it too also has antenna and then as i said the body is a refrigerator box that's been painted silver yeah. with they couldn't even afford enough to have more than two dials on the nope. front of this robot. And to me, uh, in my notes, it says... This movie cost $200,000. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, in my handwritten notes, it says the dials look like boobs because they're just like placed yeah. exactly where a person's chest would be. Um, Did they rip one of them off? Am I having like a weird memory? (laughs) I don't think so. Um, Oh, maybe I'm I'm thinking of something else. (laughs) I don't want to know what else you could be thinking of. (laughs) Um, But this is like, according to the world of this movie, this is like top-notch Martian android technology. And they've programmed... I mean, the costumes in this movie, like the costumes of... The Martians, the polar bear, the this, like, 
like you like someone could just make this movie at their house like it does have that quality for sure um so this robot has been programmed to capture these children which it does and by capture them i mean it literally like holds their hands or something and is like (laughs) i got them um and then voldar and kimar show up and Voldar has now, like before, he was like, kidnap them, kidnap them. Now he's like, we should just kill these kids. Um, just, just call a spade a spade. He doesn't like kids and he just no. wants these kids dead. Yes. Um, and Kimar is not of the same mind. He's like, no, I agreed to kidnap them, but I did not agree to kill them. And we're not going to do that. So they're at an impasse. Um, and then... Kimar is like, okay, Torg, you have captured the children. Now what I need you to do is to go capture Santa. Um, And so then they arrive. And so the initial plan when they get to Santa's workshop is that the what Kimar wants to do is to like basically not reveal him. Like not, they don't want anyone to know that Martians are really real. So... Um, what they want to do is to send Torg to capture Santa because a robot capturing Santa will raise less questions than if Martians take Santa. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, since there is... I mean, this world does show that there is no such technology on Earth like Torg, so... That would also that would raise similar questions, surely, of like, yeah, where did this fancy ass android come from? Yeah, <laughs> none of us have made it. Um, but so then, oh god, uh, so then, uh, Kimar says, "Get him, Torg," and Torg again. This is like I. I used quotation marks around so much words in this section. Um, Then Torg, quote, breaks down the door to the workshop. But like, in terms of the effects of this, it's literally like someone just pushes the door down. (laughs) Like Like it just sort of falls. Like it looks like someone just removed the hinges and then like pushed it and then it just fell in. Uh, There wasn't even like a sound effect that went with it of like a crash or anything. <laughs> that, it, like, that costs money. <laughs> it's true. Um, so Torg then comes into the workshop and as soon as he comes into the workshop, he like picks up an elf and is trying to I guess be menacing in some way. Um, <laughs> but Santa then comes in and Santa, because he's the magic of Santa looks at Torg and is like, well, you're no threat to me. You're just a really big toy. Um, which I guess, sure. Um, but somehow that like works a magic on Torg. So he can no mm-hmm. longer kidnap Santa. Okay. I don't get it beyond that. It's just like... I don't... when Like, as soon as Santa says he's a toy, it's like 
Torg gets like loses all power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that even would have been cool, but that doesn't happen. It's like just nothing happens. Like if he melted or if he... you're a toy and he just melted. Well, no, not like Wizard of Oz style, but I would have expected like maybe just one little like I'm shutting down, you know, like something, but it doesn't even do that. So when, and needless to say, so like all the Martians have been watching through the window, this interchange. And when Torg fails, they come in and they start using their um, guns that look like hair dryers uh, to (laughs) freeze people. And freeze, I have also put in quotation marks, because... Again, they literally, so they have these things that look like hair dryers that have been spray painted black in their hands. And they, mm-hmm. and it, I swear to God that it, they make this motion with their hand as though they're like cocking a gun, right? Like there's some, but I don't think there actually is anything for, like, so they just, it, they made as well with their own mouths be like, boop, boop, <laughs> like, yep, rig, yep. gun charged. And then they like, freeze people but no sound comes out of the gun or anything they literally like just point it at people and then the actors just stand in place (laughs) (laughs) um which is great uh and then there's of course the gag that you knew was coming which is um mrs claus gets frozen um because Mm -hmm. she has come in again to start nagging people (laughs) and when she comes in uh, or when she's frozen, Santa's like, Mrs. Claus, this is the quietest I've ever seen you. And you're like, Rude. oh, come on, dude. Yeah. Um, so now that everyone is frozen and paralyzed, uh, the Martians take the kids. Now we can really have fun. <laughs> yes. The Martians take the kids and they take Santa and they leave. We then return to this news broadcaster where now it's become unsurprisingly international news that santa has been kidnapped by martians um and mrs claus has identified them as martians so we know that's all legit um and (laughs) and this is where things really started to take a turn that i was not expecting uh the news anchor says that the un is devising a plan to get santa back wow i mean i've like yes I'm sure the UN does sometimes care about kidnappings of important figures. Um, But I feel like they probably had other things on their mind uh, other than Santa recovery. And then again, we have more stock footage of of like rockets and pilots and people running around and like military men in rooms with like buttons blinking and they're picking up phones and stuff. Like it's all very weird. Um, Mm -hmm. so then on the Martian ship, uh, Santa's Christmas spirit has already started affecting the Martians who are in contact with him. Um, all these Martians who apparently like laughter is a thing that doesn't exist in Martian culture because (laughs) Santa is like doing these stupid ass dad jokes and all the Martians are like, (laughs) um, (laughs) And this is where I really related to Voldar because Voldar hates this. He is so upset that people are like laughing and having fun. Um, yeah, he hates that. Yes. And so. That's his least favorite thing. 
then they realize that the Earth ships seem to be catching up to them so that their radar shield is not working properly. Um, mm-hmm. And then they discover that Billy, of course, sabotaged the radar shield. Um, then uh, Santa and the kids have been put into the brig, so they have been imprisoned on this ship. <laughs> Um, and Voldar then comes into the brig because he has come up with a dastardly plan and he's like being all nice to Santa and the kids. And he's like, let's go for a tour of the ship. And Billy immediately is like, fuck no, man. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. I am not going to go on a tour with you. And Santa (laughs) is like, come, come Billy. It's like the Christmas season and we should just accept Voldar's offer because he's he's like come around but then where should Voldar take them but to the airlock <laughs> which already I'm like uh this Doesn't is a sound promising this is a weird place to start this tour <laughs> like, yeah. um so Billy actually apparently is an aspiring astronaut so he tells everyone all about this airlock um and as he's doing that, Voldar like jumps out the door and locks Santa and the kids in the airlock. And Billy's like, see, Santa, he's bad. He's trying to kill us. He's going to open that airlock and then we're going to die. And Santa's like, no, no, no. I'm sure this is not what it absolutely appears to be. <laughs> um, and so then they're like in this situation where they're like, oh, no, we need to get out. Um, and Billy discovers what appears to be just kind of like a weird porthole. Then on the bridge of the ship, Boldar is, um, in the process of opening the airlock. And as he's doing it, Kimar comes in and is like, what are you doing? Why are you opening the airlock? There's, there shouldn't be anything in there such that you would need to. Um, and then like Kimar kind of figures out what must be happening, which is that Santa and the kids are in that airlock. So then Kimar and Voldar fight, um, in one of the, they kind of hate each other too. Yes. They are not on the same page. Um, (laughs) and I have to say this fight also like looked so stupid. The fight scenes. The fight scenes and the fight choreography were amazing. I can't remember which one this was in particular, but when he's like bashing his head against something at yes, some point. Yes. It's clearly not a human's head. I mean, it's like clearly <laughs> a different thing. And then when they show the the shot of like the head being smashed, it's like very lightly being tapped on the table. <laughs> well, and I do, I mean, it's an old movie and it's, it didn't even have a good budget for the olden days um but like some of the stuff like where i'm like you could have just had some foley work in there like add some sound like so much of like these more (laughs) active scenes had like almost no sound at all and i was Mm -hmm. like huh like when you like i feel like they didn't even have sounds of like punching or anything (laughs) it was just like all happening very silently and also like slowly like it was as if they were like okay now I'm about to grab you around the throat get ready like um so it was a it was a bizarre fight scene um 
And as their fight concludes, Voldar is under the impression that he's been successful because like, I forget if it's like a light goes on or if there's a thing that says like airlock emptied, you know? And so Kimar is like, oh no, Santa and those kids got killed. Um, but happily, Santa and the kids show up and Santa is like, oh, I know that it was all very accidental what Voldar did, but luckily we managed to survive. And they're all like, but how, Santa? And they're like, well, we like shimmied out that porthole, like some kind of vent or something. And then Kimar was like, but Santa, like basically was like, you're too fat to have fit in there. <laughs> Like, how could you have done it? And Santa, of course, like, winks knowingly and is like, that's what I do because I go in the chimney. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and this is where we start to see over and over again, Santa in particular does a lot of very disturbing laughter. Like, as his, rather than, like, answering people's questions, he just laughs at them. Yep. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, so then they have arrived, then they arrive at Mars and Kimar, um, attempts to arrest Voldar for this effort at killing these people. Um, mm -hmm. and to do, so then he puts Voldar into the brig. And then when, Golly. then as we're landing, we get back into the brig, the Martians are now singing jingle bells and they come <laughs> to... Uh, check on Voldar and it's revealed that he has somehow escaped and put Droppo in his place in the mm -hmm. brig. So Voldar is now a rogue agent trying <laughs> to ruin the first Martian Christmas. So, uh. <laughs> of course. I mean, like, obviously. Um, yeah. So then... We uh, return to Kimar's house and he brings mm -hmm. Santa and the Earth Kids and Droppo, of course, like back with him. And Momar is there, obviously. Um, and then the two sets of kids, the Martian kids and the Earth Kids are introduced to each other. And unsurprisingly, they're like the exact same, which is the brother is 10, the sister is eight. Um, mm -hmm. And they like just... All, so then they go off to play. Um, and again, this is like Santa goes, okay, like, I know he's Santa, but I would not leave an old man who I just met alone with four children in a room unsupervised. Yeah, no, me neither. But he is Santa. Yes. So I guess that's why presumably but then again we get into this weird laughing thing so like they like I, it's as if i don't even think he really says anything they just all start laughing together these kids and santa yeah and um like kimar and momar are like kind of listening outside the door and they seem to be really happy they're like oh thank god all the problems they're solved um <laughs> And then later on, uh, after this day of fun, Momar comes out of the bedroom and is like, oh, our kids finally were able to fall asleep without the sleep spray I've normally been using on them. And I was like, <laughs> what? 
sleep spray. Is sleep spray. Is this like sleeping pills for kids? <laughs> like, I guess so. Um, which then, of course, reminded me of, have you been watching Queen's Gambit? I haven't watched that yet. Well, this I'm not really giving anything away. Um, in the first episode of that, the main character is put into an orphanage in like I guess what's supposed to be like late 1950s Kentucky and oh. they give these kids tranquilizers um wow. so I was like immediately like I was because I had just started watching it and then watched this and I was like oh my <laughs> god back then I guess it was totally cool to give kids it's like sleep medication or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't think that has aged well, let's say, out of this film. Yeah. Um, so they're all, Kimar and Momar are very pleased because they're like, oh, okay, the plan seems to be working. And then Kimar is like, so Santa, the reason I kidnapped you is, first of all, thanks for being so chill about that. Um, but second of all, the reason I kidnapped you is because as you can see, like the children of Mars need you and I want you to like have Christmas here. And mm -hmm. Santa's like, that sounds great. I'm happy to do it. Um, but don't, and he's like, but I do need to like get back to earth to do earth Christmas and then I'll happily earth christmas yeah i'll happily do christmas on mars as well and kimar is like no 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 you can only do christmas here on mars you are not you will never be allowed to go to earth again um and santa is like hmm i'm not so sure and that's when <laughs> his response is actually ho 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 <laughs> Oh my like, God. what is happening? Um, so he, so you can tell that Santa's working on a plan uh, mm -hmm. to try and get himself out of this jam. So Voldar is, has escaped to this cave and he has some henchmen, some other Martians who agree that it would be better if everyone were miserable. Um, and so they have, and so they've, his spies have been out and they, and they're saying that like, Within a matter of days or hours, it's not clear. Um, they've set up a workshop for Santa on Mars. And this is a direct quote. Soon the planet will be full of toys. <laughs> cool. And that is not good, apparently. Oh, that was, a, um, that was just said cool. Apparently that's no good. <laughs> um, but I did liken this. One of the Martians already seems to be weakening on this plan because he's talking, he like, is talking lovingly about a slinky. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, which I hadn't thought about slinkies in a very long time. Yeah. And I was like, it is a kind of fun toy, if totally stupid. Like, for like, a, for like a little while. It gets a little boring, I would say, pretty quickly. Yeah. Like once you put it down a flight of stairs a couple times, that's kind of all it's good for, other than being like a cool bracelet. Yeah. Um... But still, I thought, I was like, oh, man, he's totally talking about a slinky. That's fun. Um, and then, so basically, Voldar is like, well, we need to put a stop to this. And the way we're going to do it is by, like, undermining Santa's authority and making him look like a fool. And I'm like, interesting choice. Okay, cool. Um, so... Uh, when the so then we cut to just watching basically the workshop 
and in progress Mm -hmm. and Droppo, Betty and Billy. And I think the Martian kids are all there helping Santa make these toys. Um, And then at uh, Kimar's house, uh, everyone comes home from their day of work. Apparently child labor on Mars is cool. Yeah, who cares? They're Mar- it's Mars. Yeah. Um, so the kids and Santa come back from their long day of work and Momar gives them milk pills and they go into the other room. Um, Santa, uh, so the, the Mars kids decide that they want to go and watch some Earth TV. But the Earth kids uh, and Santa all are like, we're going to go to bed. We're tired. And Momar is like, hmm, this seems strange. And even Kimar is like, kids, you don't want to watch TV? And they're like, no, no, we don't want to watch TV. And so when they leave, Momar is like, Kimar, we really got to return these kids back to Earth. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, they're homesick. They need to go back home. Um, That's why they're so kind of like listless and just going to bed. Um, And Kimar is like, hmm, no. I'm not going to do that. Um, and in the meantime, I get, like in Droppo's room, he has been trying on this Santa costume that Momar made for Santa. Um, but he is not fat enough to oh. fit into the costume. Skinny people So, <laughs> indeed. So he has to use a pillow uh, to make the costume work. And then he decides what he wants to do is like go to the workshop and kind of like pretend to be Santa mm-hmm. for some time while everyone else, like when it's shut for the night. Yeah. Um, when he shows up there, um, unfortunately, Voldar and his henchmen are there as well. And they're in the process of sabotaging the workshop to make Santa look like a fool. Wow. Um, Right. (laughs) So when they see Droppo, now this to me was even one of the more like, this is a real suspension of disbelief, guys. (laughs) So he's in Santa's costume, but he still has his helmet, his antenna, his green face. Yep. It's all sticking out completely. Yes, it's like not hidden at all, but they all mistake him for the actual Santa. They're straight up idiots. Like, <laughs> And so Voldar is like, oh, this is perfect. This is just dropped into my lap. Now, not only can we mess up this workshop, we can kidnap Santa and then problem solved. <laughs> so that... That is what happens. They're fucking idiots. (laughs) So that is what happens. They take uh, Droppo back to this cave hangout, whatever. Um, The following day, uh, everyone at Kimar's house is commenting on the fact that Droppo is missing and also that one of Santa's suits is gone. And Mm, Santa very knowingly... (laughs) I know. Santa very knowingly is like, ah, well, Droppo has been kind of like my main friend here, and I bet he just put on the suit and went into the workshop. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, that checks out. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, So they come back to the workshop, and unfortunately, Droppo can't be found. And so they're just like, well, that's a bit odd, but he is an adult 
so he's entitled to just be wherever he is without telling anyone. Mm -hmm. So we're not worried. But then when they start up the toy making like conveyor belt or whatever it is, there appears to be a problem with the machine because uh, when they try and make a doll and a teddy bear, they have mixed up heads. So the doll has the teddy bear's head. Mm -hmm. The teddy bear has the doll's head. I did really like when they tried to make a baseball bat and it had like a tennis racket at the end (laughs) of it. So they're like, okay, so there's like a real problem. And that's when... Santa's like, Bomar, I think you need to get your father over here. So Bomar calls his dad on his head helmet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As you do. Uh, Because they also, I hadn't really noticed this in their costumes previously, but like they also had these little like knobs around their belts. Like instead of a buckle, there were, so like the kid is like, quote unquote, turning the knob and that's how he's calling his dad on his helmet, I think. Um, And so he calls up Kimar and he says, Droppo's missing and the workshop's been sabotaged. And so Kimar comes right over. Now, like, this last little bit of the movie, I felt like was needlessly drawn out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I then... Was, it was a little long for me. I, just, like, I know it wasn't yes. even that long, but for the story that's being told here, it's a little long. Yes, it's 81 minutes total. Yeah. Like, it should just be flying by. But this last part really dragged um, because... Droppo has been put into this cave and they explain to him that they have they have sealed him into the cave with something they keep calling a nuclear curtain. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Kimar shows up at the workshop and he's like, I'm positive I know what happened. Voldar has been here and that's also, he must have taken Droppo as well. Mm. Um... So then he then Kimar is on his own helmet headset telling everybody, like, be on the lookout for Voldar. If you see him, you've got to arrest him uh, because he's, like, done all these even more crimes than what he's already done. Um, then pretty much immediately, Voldar shows up at the workshop mm-hmm. and tells Kimar that... Um, he won't return who he believes to be the real Santa. Um, he won't return them. He won't return Santa until these earth kids are sent back where they came from. So it it seems like then he's like given up on the killing them idea. He just wants them off the planet. Just whatever to get Um, away from me. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, unsurprisingly in this interchange, Voldar ends up, being captured along with his various henchmen. I think this is where there's like, um, yes, there's a bit more fighting between Kimar and Voldar Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't really make sense or matter, Mm -hmm. but it happens. Um, And, oh, because in the process of that, Voldar knocks Kimar out and is able to escape again. (laughs) Um, And so then... Finally, like, Kimar tells Santa and the kids what's happened. And so um, Santa and the kids come up with a plan 
for like dealing with Voldar. So when Voldar does return again, because I'm not sure why he comes back again, um, they have fixed the toy machine so that then all the kids are attacking Voldar with toys. <laughs> um, like water guns. I feel like there was a lot of water yeah. being thrown in his face somehow mm -hmm. and like um, like confetti and shit, like all kinds of weird stuff. Um, so he gets attacked with the toys. Meanwhile, I could swear that there's like a song or some music playing and like Voldar's being attacked. And then also Santa is laughing maniacally yeah. during this whole thing. It's so confusing. He... He, like, loves watching these kids torture this man with toys. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so, so then finally Voldar is captured and neutralized. Um, Droppo then returns because he has, in the meantime, figured out a way to turn off the nuclear curtain and he has escaped. Um, and the kind of resolution of the movie is that um, Santa's like, Kimar, don't you see? Um, you already have a Santa. You don't need me. Droppo will become the Santa for Mars. And I actually called that as soon as he put on that costume mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's going to be Santa, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and so the final scene of the movie is we're back in Kimar and Momar's house Everyone's saying goodbye to each other. Um, and it's like, that whole kidnapping me thing, don't even worry about it. It's fine. All has worked itself out. Um, and Droppo Claus, of course, comes in. And everyone's like, yay, this yay, is the solution we've been waiting for. Um, but, of course, he's still not fat enough for his suit. So, like, that's something to there. work on. Um and so finally, Santa and Billy and Betty uh, leave, and it's revealed that they will be able to get back to Earth in time for Christmas. Um, and then we just go right back into Hooray for Santa Claus. Gotta love it. Um, but now it's like a karaoke version, which is like showing you how to sing along with the Were song. Were you not? Because I was. <laughs> and that's it that's the whole thing it's a, it's um, a lot to digest but also like not very much <laughs> it, it's weird it's a weird one very and weird. I definitely understand why it's like when I was googling about like what are sci-fi Christmas movies unsurprisingly this makes pretty much all of the lists um but also every description of it is like this Super is bad <laughs> Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I guess we'll do yawns and eye rolls, and then we'll finish up with like what you thought of this okay. movie. Um, so, in terms of yawns, excuse me, one yawn being this was like top notch, super entertainment. I couldn't stop watching. That's one yawn, okay. and ten yawns is like. I mean, yeah, I got through it, but I did fall asleep. Um, what would you give Ooh. it? Um, I would say, uh, I would say like four, like four to five, because I was like super engaged for like the beginning of it and like the craziness that was 
the the effects and the costumes and all like what the heck was going on um i did i did start to lose interest when i felt like it was starting to get too long (laughs) yeah i i think i would probably give it like a a solid five like right down the middle Mm -hmm. which is just as you said like and i actually in an early somewhere in my research or in my looking for christmas movies i I felt like this movie was only supposed to be an hour and nine minutes. I know. That's what you had told but me. Then, and then I was a little bit bummed when it was longer than that. Yeah. But then it turned out to be 81 minutes. Yeah. So an hour, 21 minutes. And, you know, you're like, well, 12 minutes isn't it that felt, much it felt, more. It felt but like it was 12 minutes too long. <laughs> it it definitely, well, because like that final last bit, like really did seem like it was needlessly dragged out um so yes five for that in terms of eye rolls yikes yes uh (laughs) what one eye roll is i mean come on it's a christmas sci-fi movie that's one uh and 10 eye rolls is like what am i watching (laughs) okay well, <laughs> like, okay, I, I understand that it's a Christmas sci-fi movie, so, like, I'll give it some slack, but I'm still going to say, like, eight and a half, nine here because there's, like, <laughs> a lot of shit happening and a lot of bad effects and a lot of bad makeup and a lot of m- humans in polar bear costumes. <laughs> yes, I mean, that in particular really, like, ups it. A certain amount, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah, I think I would have to also agree with you and maybe give this an eight. Um, because, yeah, like, even for the fact that it's a movie, that it's sci-fi, that it's Christmas, like that, we're already, like, in a world <laughs> we're where we we're, making, we're making some suspension of disbelief. But, like, it is just, like, whoa, man. Um, and I think honestly, it, like, it, it would be less eye rolly if the production value were even a little bit higher. Like, you know, it could get a five if like the makeup that was on people's faces was like a uniform color of green on everybody. Um, but so then the final question is, well, I guess it's a two-parter, which is, did you like this? And would you recommend it to somebody? Here's the deal. Like, yes and yes, but also no and no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. No. Um, yeah, I guess. I No, I did like it. It was wild. It was wacky. It was like pretty much what I was expecting. Maybe even a little bit kookier. But like based on the title, I like I would recommend it to someone. And I would just tell them the title. And they could just take with that like whatever. If that's something that sounds interesting to them you'll probably enjoy this um, because the title is I think gives enough information about what we're dealing with here to like (laughs) (laughs) to give someone a picture of like okay am I going to be into this or not Um, right so yeah I I would I mean I and I wouldn't be embarrassed if someone was like whoa that was bonkers I can't believe you made me watch that because I'd be like yeah but I made you watch (laughs) it because it's bonkers not because I actually thought it was good Right. I mean, I think my suggestion to people is definitely give this a watch. Um, Certainly check out the song for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, 
watch some of the more like highlight sections that we've mentioned, like yeah. Polar Bear yeah. and Torg. Um, and also watch this in the context of like the Christmas season. Um, so like where your bar is much lower to begin yeah. with. Um, Just and automatically then... in the Christmas season, your bar for entertainment is like in the basement. You're like, mm, whatever, there's like actors in it. I like it. <laughs> yes, this film does have actors. That is correct. There are so if you like in movies this... where there are like people acting in them, you're going to love this one. This is a story that has characters in it. <laughs> Enjoy. Yep, that's all um, I can say. Those characters do things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would also recommend that probably you might want to enjoy some substances uh, before watching this movie, during watching this movie, and um, definitely after. <laughs> uh, because I watched this stone sober because that's how I insist on watching these movies so that I can like fully appreciate what's happening. Um, but I do It would have been feel, a good experience if you were under the influence of anything. I think it would be much more enjoyable <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, I think the not that made it, it were probably high, so. Well, they were certainly on like, pep pills and shit <laughs> like that's obvious um like yeah I truly like this doesn't really have visuals in the sense of some of other movies that you might watch while you're high or whatever but like it does have visuals and like the what the fuck is this yeah style um that I think you could enjoy a bit more if you were high Drunk too, to some degree, but I think high in particular would really lend itself yeah, to yeah, this yeah. film. <laughs> um, so give it a try if you're interested, and especially if you feel like, you know, I seem to watch the same eight movies at the Christmas season. <laughs> um, maybe I'm interested in trying something else. If you've for already a watched The Princess Switch takes two times three, then just give this a shot too. Yeah, if you've already seen Holiday, if you've already <laughs> seen Jingle Jangle, uh, if you've already watched Love Actually three or four times. Um, <laughs> this one comes in after watching Love Actually three or four times. <laughs> I mean, Love Actually is not one of my preferred Christmas movies, but I know some people quite like it. But yeah. the point is, if you are like, I would like to try something a bit weird, a bit different, whatever this definitely fits that we're different it for sure both of those boxes <laughs> so hooray for santa claus hooray, hooray for christmas mm -hmm. and as always i am sarah and i've been here with amy and we will see you next week in space Ho, ho, ho. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.